Mighty Mighty Nissan GTR. Five, four, three. The Mighty Mighty Nissan GTR. Well, we're already having technical difficulties. <laughs> I was like, what is that going on? Okay, let's try this again. Our new <laughs> intro song for our brand new topspeed.com podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. I don't even know what's happening. Put in sport mode and you're going to fly. And just exactly how awesome was it? The mighty, mighty Nissan GTR. got the Mustang, the Camaro, the Challenger, the Corvette, the Viper, America. Damn, I forgot the bananas. I love this thing. And we'll do it live. Live, And we'll do it live. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the first ever live taping of the TopSpeed.com podcast. I am Christian Moe, and I am joined today by Mr. Mark McNabb. Say hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. Everyone out there on YouTube land, hi. I know, I couldn't resist, I couldn't resist. Justin uh, did it last week, and I'm like, <laughs> it's funny, but okay. Yeah, yeah here, uh, here, I, here I am. Anyways, uh, today it's going to be just me and Mark. I know in the uh, description there I've got Justin listed, but uh, Justin's had a few last-minute things pop up that he's got to run and take care of, so uh, we're going to try and trudge on without him. He smells funny anyways, and he's always wearing that Steelers hat that I don't like. So yeah, we'll so about him. now we can't smell him all, you know, over the over the interwebs. Over, over the internet. Man, the internet's so smelly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, well, we hope everyone who is watching this uh, we love you. Hi. Well, yes, we do. Um, if you're watching on the YouTube page instead of just in the broad broadcaster window on top speed, you can actually comment with us. So if you want to click the little YouTube link, uh, we have a nice little chat window. You can have actual interaction with us. So this is kind of cool and interesting, and we're going to see where it, where it goes. Um, but welcome. We love you. So today's show, we got a lot of things to talk about. Uh, we got some McLaren stuff. We got some Hyundai stuff. Uh, we're going to do some truck things, the future of the roadways potentially. And uh, I have a really big announcement. But first, we're going to start with something kind of boring. Um, Justin was here or was going to be here to talk about the new BMW 435i. going to have to wait till next week to see that, guys. Uh, but first, let's start with Mark. And uh, in our weekly wheels segment, Mark has been driving a minivan. <laughs> well, you know, it, keeping in the uh, the tradition of top speed, I um I did you know make sure that the minivan was capable of, um, you know, nice um, people carrying capacities and such. Uh, no, I really did have a good week with this van. Um, the thing that I had to tell myself when I went into this was, it's a minivan. It's built for a purpose. It's supposed to do certain things and supposed to do those certain things extremely well. And you basically, you can't find another vehicle out there that does what the Chrysler Town & Country does. And that's what I had, was the 2014 
Chrysler, Town & Country, and this was the S package, which was kind of mid-range, but it's um, it's got quite a few options on it. Um, obviously, it still comes powered with the 3.6-liter Pentastar V6, which is ubiquitous for every Chrysler vehicle out there, but Christian and I would agree it's a very... You know, it's a very good engine. I mean, it's it's it pretty stout. It really is. It's you know, it's really not bad. It's really not bad. I mean, I was getting like 20 miles per gallon, you know, just <clears throat> just around town on the highway and all that sort of stuff. Um, if I was on the highway for a long distance, I would get it up to 25. I I mean, that's impressive for a for a big big thing like that. Um, let's see, it makes uh, yeah 283 horsepower for a little front wheel drive van. That's that's pretty stout. Um, it didn't have any problems getting up to highway speed or merging or passing anything like that, so it was it was pretty good. You won't win any drag races, but hey, that's not what it's for. Right. Um, like, um, did you like put a lot of people and a lot of stuff in it? Yeah. Um, I know you've got a daughter. Did you did you take your daughter places in it? Yes, and that's my my transition was what it is built for though is hauling stuff and people. Uh, I had a really good week. Uh, we actually went to the beach in this van, uh, and luckily I live near Daytona, and so I got to drive it on the beach. Um, Yep, car seat, uh, everything like that. We went with uh, some family. We threw some uh, rods and reels, some lawn chairs, beach towels, all the sort of stuff um, in the back because, you know, obviously it has the stow-and-go uh, seating arrangement, which fantastic. I cannot say enough about Chrysler stow-and-go. It's, it's truly fantastic the way that they have engineered this van to where all the seats literally lay flat, and it's like a cargo van without having to take the seats out. You know, you just boop, fold them right up, and it, it's it's good. Um, Ladies and I, gentlemen, the first live podcast of the Topspeed.com podcast is brought to you by Mark's Love of Folding Seats. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was I was really impressed with it. Uh, let's see. Other things I was impressed with was the um, the flip down DVD screens in the back. My kid flipped when I started playing Mickey Mouse in the car. And she, Mickey Mouse, huh? She wants Bravo. every yeah, two year two years old. Yeah, that's what she wants. She wants the Mickey Mouse. So, yeah, she loved it. And every car we get in now, Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse. But <laughs> so so now you've ruined things. <laughs> I have I have ruined my life because now every car is where's Mickey Mouse? Yeah. Uh, uh, terrible decision. Yes, Chrysler. You make you make my life horrible. Uh. No, no, no! It's your fault for showing it to her because uh, I know instantly in my head I'd, I'd I would have been like, if I show this kid that she can have a TV and a car, she's gonna want it in every car. Yeah, well, nope. I didn't have that much foresight, so. Uh. <laughs> but uh, now there were a few things that I really, honestly, didn't like about the van, and most of it centered around the old UConnect system in the navigation. Um, I've had Chrysler's in the past where the UConnects are very, very very good, and I was really impressed with it, but this one, not so much. Um, it took reading the manual to figure out how to connect my phone, how to input GPS navigation inputs, like it didn't understand my voice at all, or my girlfriend's, or anyone, like, it just, you know, speaking to it like it was stupid, it wouldn't understand. Um, just the graphics were outdated, the way it looks, just it, it just didn't flow very well. I, I think the van would be very much more served well with a, an updated version of the Uconnect. I don't know why Chrysler hasn't just done that. Um, other than that, everything was... Yeah. I mean, I guess they're... I mean, these, they're, they're selling these things hand over fist anyway. They're, you know, they're golden. But uh, 
I did like the power doors. You hit the button on the uh, on the key fob, power doors, um, power lift gate in the trunk. It was it was it was really it's a good family van. It really is. I love power sliding doors. I hate everything about everything that is a power rear lift gate. I would just tell my, I would remind myself I'm going to the van. Let's open the door. That way I had it 30 feet away and it was already opening. But yeah, if I was back there and I just wanted to open it and I had to lift the handle, then yeah, I had to sit there and wait for it to. Yeah, and like you can't fight you it. Know. Like it, it won't just. Yeah. Oh, there have been. You... I'm trying to remember what car it was now. It might have been the Ford Escape. If you reach and hit the handle and start to pull it, it like releases that system, and you can just open it and you can just close it. Wow. No. See that this is not like that. If I tried to Most pull it parts. more. Yeah, if if I tried to pull it up, the thing would go into safe mode and then like beep at me and then start to close. Yeah, but so I just learned just you know be far away from it before you want to open it. Oh, also um, the escape had the cool foot thing. Yeah, that is really cool. Where you wave your foot and the door opens. I'm like, well, okay, because I was like, this is the stupidest thing ever, and I was just playing with it. And then yeah, I went to go buy some dog food, and so I like walk out to the car with this like 60 pound bag of dog food. I'm like, oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Uh, um, storage areas in this car were fantastic as well. Not only in the center console, uh, but also when the seats are up, you've got this huge bin under in the front of every seat that is rather massive that you can store just about anything in. Well, because they'll uh, hold the whole seat. It literally, the seat folds into this little compartment, right. and now it's empty. What are you going to do with it? Well, you could put uh, extra clothes, uh, you know... Snacks for road trips, uh, I mean, coolers. I mean, they're really huge compartments, and the back seat is even bigger. So, it's really impressive. I secretly really want one of those for uh, scuba diving. I'm, I'm I'm a big scuba diver. And I'm just like a minivan. Like you take out the back seats or you fold the back seats. You have tons of room. They're big enough you can usually stand up in if you need to get changed into a wetsuit or something. If it's raining yeah. outside and you don't want to get wet before you get in the water and get wet, and yeah, you know, lots of things like that. But uh, all right, we're gonna go ahead and move on. Um, I I did I did not have a car this week. Ah. But um, I did do some cool fun stuff that involves motors, and I have my big announcement that I want to go ahead and make. Um, for starters, uh, we've talked about my old 1965 Ford pickup truck on the podcast before. Um, I no longer have my 1965 Ford pickup truck. <laughs> yep, I uh traded it off to an acquaintance of mine, and uh. What I traded it for is a motorcycle. <sighs> you know what? I've wanted a motorcycle for a really long time, but I've never had one. I've never ridden a motorcycle. I know absolutely nothing about motorcycles. Let's, let's try to get a license before you kill yourself, please. I'm going to. I'm going to take the class. Oh, hey, we have our first comment from Hulty. Hello, Hulty. They say, hey, guys. Hello, hi, hello. Hi, Hulty. Um, you'll hear this in a second, Hulty, but the uh, live stream is about on the 30 second delay or so but anyways yeah so I bought a motorcycle and me and Jenna my wife are going to learn how to ride the motorcycle I got a 1970 Honda CL 350 Scrambler um, it's just the coolest thing in the world um, I'm like I think technically I'll be the second registered owner maybe the third registered owner um, That's the title bad. that I've got from it is from like 1976 Really? What year yeah. is it again? The bike's a 70. It only has 17,000 miles on it, and it hasn't been on the road and driven since the, uh, like, 84 or something. Dead gum. 
bike is in pristine condition. Um, it was worried with it not having run in so long that it was just going to be dead and seized up. Mm -hmm. uh, all the seals are good. Motor still holds compression. You can try and kick the kickstart it. And uh, with a little bit of starter fluid, actually, we got it fired up, and uh, we ran it for about a half mile. Um, but the tank's got a little bit of rust in it. Carbs are kind of yeah. gunked up, and after about that half mile, uh, the bike sort of died, and we had to push it back. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I'm going to take it in, have the carbs re rebuilt, and hopefully in, like, two weeks or so, I'm going to have a motorcycle. Ooh. Yeah, I'm really yeah. excited about it. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> well, yeah. it's only a 350. Um, apparently, this bike will only top out at, like, 89 miles an hour, so it's actually the slowest vehicle I've ever owned. Um, so there you go. <laughs> well, a lot of death can happen before 85. A lot of death can happen before 85, and to be honest, I'm a little terrified. Um, <laughs> I've I've never had a bike. I've always like been intrigued by the the idea of a bike, but Damn. it's like <sighs> so. Uh, well, yeah, be, I, you know, honestly, deep down inside, like I I kind of want to join you. Um, I had a uncle that had a Honda CB 200 or 2000 or whatever they are uh, in a basement, and I saw it, and I'm like. Just a little bit of money, that could be a nice bike. And I, I really toyed with the idea of, of shelling out the cash for it, but I I decided against it. But yeah. Yep. I was close. So so yeah, I was like, oh well, okay. And uh, my my landlord, because uh, I, I rent the house that I'm at, he didn't like the truck. He wanted me to get rid of it anyway. So it was like, well, I wanted a motorcycle, and I have to get rid of the truck. So win win. You can park the motorcycle in your living room. Uh. <laughs> Win, win, win. <laughs> yeah, that'll be great. It'll just be me at the podcast. Look! <laughs> Here. <laughs> you make a great point. You just rev it. Oh, my gosh. It's got the world's best horn on it. It oh, yeah? sounds like almost like a clown noise. It's like, wonk, wonk. Oh, no. I know. The, the big uh, rubber bulbs in the back. <laughs> That's kind of what it sounded like. Uh, so it was hilarious. As soon as I found the horn button, I just sat there with the key. I was like, wonk, wonk. Oh gosh, the wife got so pissed. All right, uh, but let's go ahead and move on to my huge announcement. Um, if anybody pays attention to the world of silly things that rich people do with supercars, um, you may have heard of the Gumball 3000 Rally. It is a giant parade of exotic metal that starts in Miami. It's going this year. It's going to Atlanta, then up to New York, and then they're going to fly everything over to Scotland. They're going to come down through England and through France and Italy, and they're going to go all the way down to the south of Italy. And uh, I have been invited to partake in this adventure, at least the uh, Miami to New York end. Um, I've been attached to a team called Anastasia Date, which is, uh, according to their site, one of the world's premier online dating services. And um, I'm going to get to spend some wheel time with the uh, Lamborghini Gallardo Spider on a big journey from Miami to New York. And I'm really excited about it. Um, there's going to be a lot of cool stuff there. So some of the things I'm slightly less excited about, um, it's like when we get to Atlanta, uh, there's an exhibit concert, which I'm not a huge rap guy, so that won't be that cool. But there's a lot of really cool people in the race and a lot of exhibit? really cool cars. Yeah, exhibit. Exhibit? Yep. Really? Yeah. <laughs> when it says like 2004? <laughs> I didn't even know he's still saying. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, he's putting on a concert. Um, but, like, there are some cool cars. So there's a team that has rebuilt a Batman Tumblr. That's kind of cool. And it's powered by a Chevy 6.2. Heck yeah. Yep, Chevy small block. Um, 
Dead Mouse is going to be there in a Ferrari 458 Italia. It's a specialized version. They call it his uh, Perrari, like a kitten purr. Classy. Um, yep, it's a full custom 458. And uh, on his team is Tori Belechi from the Mythbusters. That's cool. Yeah, so I might get to meet uh, Mythbuster and Dead, Dead Mouse. Um, Tony Hawk's going to be there. Um, there's a team called Sterling Moss that has entered in um, one of the super special limited uh, edition SLR McLaren uh, Sterling Moss Roadsters, the Silver Arrows, the ones with like no top, and yeah. like the, they they look kind of like the old race race cars where there's like almost no windshield and there's one little bubble behind the driver's seat that like you could rest your head against. Yeah, but it's an SLR McLaren. Oh, so like yeah, there's like all this cool stuff. I mean. When someone's like, hey, we're going to drive a Lamborghini Gallardo Spider across the country, you think, that's awesome. But, like, we might have the most boring car there. Like, I just Yeah, the Gallardo is like – yeah, it's like the Camry of, of – um, Supercars. Supercars, yeah. It's like, oh, okay, that's nice. But, yeah, yeah I mean, I mean it's still so going to be fun. Yeah. yeah, there's so much other exotic metal there. There's lots of Ferraris, lots of Lambos. Um I've seen pictures of lots of Bentley stuff. Um, Looks like someone's got a Phantom they're bringing in doing the journey in. I mean, like, there's wow. gonna be tons and tons of cool stuff. Um, wow. I, two two things. First, I can't imagine how expensive it would be to airlift your car from New York to Scotland. I just I want to know what the bill would be. Like uh, intense. <laughs> so the bill for that is a lot like the bill for getting a custom-made Rolls-Royce Corniche. Um, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. True. <laughs> wow. So, and then you have yeah. to ship it back, unless you really don't like your car anymore because you actually put models on it and you just sell it over there. Well, and... I think a lot of the cars are actually from Europe. Oh. And so they've already been brought over to Miami. So they may go the cheap route and like ship freight them like like on a boat to Miami. And then mm. fly them from New York to Scotland. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Well, that's interesting. And the second thing, uh, just try not to get yourself a ticket because I imagine that's going to be pretty expensive. Yeah, probably. Um, so most of the driving on the trip, I will not be behind the wheel. Um, there are two main drivers. Um, we're going to show you pictures of them a little later on the site. There are two ladies who are, um, I guess they can be your dates uh, that are on the site. Uh, they've got fancy little uniforms and everything that they've given them. And uh, they're going to be doing most of the driving. Um, I'm not the only journalist going, so we're going to be rotating through the passenger seat, and they're going to have a small fleet of follow cars that uh, we're going to be tossed around in. Mm. I am, though, top speed exclusive, the only journalist who's going to get to drive this car. Oh, look at you. Oh, yep, every, every other journalist is uh, going to be riding in it. I get wheel time. So um, that was yeah. that was part of the deal to get to go. Um, there's going to be tons and tons of coverage on this. Like, if you guys are interested in this trip and in this car, there's going to be a lot of stuff. Um, I leave here in three hours. I will be in the air on my way to Miami. Actually, that's a lie. I'll be in the air on my way to Washington, D.C., and then I'm going to be going down to Miami because air travel, hey. <laughs> I'm just going to go the opposite direction. Yes, I'm going to fly two hours in the wrong direction so I can go the right direction to get to Miami. That's ridiculous. God. Right. Well, but there are no um, there are no planes that operate a Knoxville to Miami flight. 
That's I can that's... go from Knoxville. I so I can go from Knoxville to Orlando, Orlando. Yeah. to Tampa, and to Fort Lauder- Lauderdale. Don't go to Miami. <laughs> that's a little ridiculous. And Miami is a big airport too. It's a uh, it doesn't matter. Airport. Well, we do have a question here on the YouTube site, uh, Christian, about the, your partaking of the festivities with the um, ladies um, and how this associates with your <laughs> relationship with um, your wife. <laughs> my wife thinks it's the funniest thing in the entire world because <laughs> she's she's my, my, my wife. Um, so I... Okay, for starters, Ulti, the girls aren't going to be naked. They're going to be wearing clothes. Um <laughs> That's, I think it's illegal to drive. I think it's illegal to drive a convertible car through the middle of Florida with no clothes on. I would say that's probably true. Part of me being in this job and working at home and away from people is uh, I'm actually not a very big social person. Um, I'm very socially awkward. <laughs> and um, hence we're talking to you millions right now. Right, but um. They're on. I, I I don't see them. I'm not with them. I'm talking to myself in a computer screen. I'm talking to you, and we're friends, and that makes it okay. Other ah, people can just listen. Um, but yeah, I'm really socially awkward, and um, I don't like being in situations like this. And so I'm really going to be spending a lot of time being super uncomfortable. And my wife thinks it's utterly hilarious. <laughs> Plus, um, we've been together for eleven years now. Um. I'm, you know, Congratulations. thank you. Um, well, it'll be 11 years in August. Um, I'm, you know, very happy with my marriage and my relationship, and I don't see any need to go run away with some Russian lady. I really hope they speak English. I, I want them to not, because I think that would be <laughs> even more funny. I, I really hope not. Just, just two hours of me in a car like this. Yeah. Well, I would imagine they would probably have to speak English in order to have some sort of an American driver's license, even a temporary one or whatever, however that works, and then, like, to be able to read the road signs. But, All it works is if you have know. a driver's license for another state, you're legal to drive. Or from yeah. another country, you're you're legal to drive. Oh, well, see, I didn't know that. Yep, because uh, I drove around in uh, England. You can get what's called an international driver's license, which is really just, like, a flimsy piece of paper with your picture in it um, that's worth nothing. But if you get pulled over, in some countries, if you get pulled over, they will take your ID from you, just boom. So what you can do is you don't give them your driver's license, you give them this international driver's license that you have, that you get at, like, AAA stores, and they keep that. So it's kind of like a get-out-of-jail-free card so you don't lose your driver's license so you can actually match it to your passport and get back out of the country. That's exciting. Wow, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That is a good thing. I learned a lot of things when I was driving around in uh, England. <laughs> but, well, uh, anyway, yeah, we have we have covered this one to death. What's our next topic here? Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and go on. Anyways, Lambos, yay! Uh, let's talk about the uh, what could be the best worst decision McLaren's ever ever gonna make. Um, a like weird funky hatchback version of the P13. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I read the story on this one. It. <sighs> It's not a hatchback, I don't think. It's gonna be it's gonna be more of a trunk thing. I'm not sure how they're gonna do it because honestly, like I've looked at all these pictures of the McLaren, um, you know, from the top view, and that engine is pretty far up and back. 
right where they say a trunk is going to be. So I don't quite know how they're going to do it. Because, like, if you make this big, nasty humpback thing. Yeah, it's going to look like a whale or something. I don't know. But, like, if you look at, like, a Porsche Cayman, right? It's got a flat six, but it's really a midship. And there's, like, this box in between the driver and passenger seat and the little trunk area. It literally looks like a like a little treasure chest type thing just kind of sitting there because that's where you keep your treasure. <laughs> Arr, I'm a pirate. <laughs> I didn't take it there, but you did. That's fine. <laughs> Arr, I spy me some booty. <laughs> Not going to go there at all. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's interesting how they're going to do it. I, I'm going to be very curious to see how they actually engineer it. But the fact of how they're going to do it is irrelevant in the fact that they are going to do it, okay? And they're also, um, I think, basically thinking this is going to be a very high-selling model for them. Um, Car and Driver originally ran the story because they have the informant who works for McLaren, um, and they are the ones that kind of talked to this guy and figured out what this new P13, and they called it the GT, was going to be. So... Um, you know, it, it's going to be very interesting to see how they handle this. and It could if, be the best or worst thing ever. Like, if they I, can make a hatchback yeah. like, like the A7 that Audi did, that's technically a hatchback. Like, perfect. If yeah. they make something that looks like the 5 Series GT, I hope everyone in Woking catches on fire and McLaren's factory just explodes into nothing. Yeah, face bomb. But, yeah, I mean, like, it makes sense... Because, yeah, it's a hypercar, but I can haul my golf clubs in it, and therefore I can show my hypercar off to the folks that I try to impress every week at the golf range. You know what? They'll fit in the passenger seat. Whatever. Yeah, but you have to take your Russian uh, girlfriend from the Cannonball Rally there, right? <laughs> gumball. It's Gumball. The Cannonball is one that's from uh, L.A. to New oh, York. Okay, whatever. It's all the same. One has a really good movie, and the other one doesn't, so... Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching that as a kid and watched that uh, that Kuntosh across the lake, and I'm like, yeah. oh, that is the coolest thing ever. That's exactly why uh, Team Anastasia Date that I'm attached to um, is entering the Gallardo Spider, because they're like, well, it's in homage to Cannonball Run, where they had a Kuntosh, so we're going to bring a Lambo. Perfect. Perfect. So, now, yeah. whoever is driving, they need to have the rear wing across their chest the whole time. <laughs> it's way too early, folks. I'm terribly sorry. Yes. I've got to get uh, this done before I get on an airplane. So, okay. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move on a little bit. Um, Hyundai makes cars that we like. I mean, if, if we're honest, they, they're not the best cars in the world, but they do lots of really solid stuff. And it's Hyundai, Hyundai solid. Lately. Yeah, solid. You know, especially with the new Genesis that you drove. You said it's a great car. Loved it. absolutely I love that, that car. I loved it. And the Equus, too, the bigger one. They're both beautiful cars, and they both do amazing things that Hyundais of 10 years or 15 years ago would never do. Right, but one thing yeah. Hyundai still hasn't really been able to do well mm -hmm. is, like, a really good enthusiast car. Yes, they have the Genesis Coupe, and yes. it's okay, but it's a little too expensive. It's a little bit underpowered. It's just not quite up to par with the competition. Um, and then you've got the Veloster, which is way too underpowered. And you have the Veloster Turbo, which is a nice little adjustment. But um, now they've given us a concept that they're never going to build, but dear God, I want them to. Yes. Um, and that is the uh, Veloster Midship concept. 
So if any of you guys are familiar with uh, Peugeot or Peugeot, the French company, um, and Renault does it too, or at least they used to, sometimes they would take their hot hatch cars and they would remove the back seats and they would put a V6 engine back there that drove the rear wheels and it just became like a Cayman. It was like a mid-engine, two-seat sports car. Yeah. Um, and Hyundai created one of these out of a Veloster. <laughs> I think it's the coolest thing ever. I really hope they did something with the engine bay and, like, you know, put, like, a boot or something up there. That way you can actually store your crap. But with it being a concept, maybe they didn't. But, I mean, how cool is this? It literally is a real-drive mid-engine Veloster. Um, what is the Hyundai. engine in this thing? Uh, let's see. 300 horsepower squeezed out of a 1.6-liter engine. See, 1.6 is what's in it now. Um, and like 300 horsepower seems like an awful lot. Oh, oh, wait, I'm sorry. No, I'm reading the wrong part of the article. Apparently, see, Justin was around the one. We're that professionals. Read. We are. <laughs> oh, okay. Hyundai ditched the 1.6 four pot, mm. uh, uh, and in favor of the 2.0 liter Theta GDI unit. So, yeah, so it's still a four cylinder. Genesis, right? Yeah, but. It's uh yeah, it's gonna be cranking out some more horsepower. So good for I them. I mean, like that could be. I'm thinking they should have just gone with a Tau V8. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The Veloster's big enough. Let's the put a five liter V8 dual overhead cam in the back of a car that's no bigger than the engine block itself, <laughs> and just make that it. Would, that would be Hyundai showing up and go. Merca, huh? You want you want Merca? V8 in the back of the car. We'll show a Merca. Merca, and they've got a big flag hanging, you know, American flag as they like do donuts to the parking lot or something like that. Yeah. Oh, that, that would be the most yeah. awesome commercial ever. <laughs> yes, all of our <laughs> Hyundai friends. America, you know you are. <laughs> just a mid-engine Veloster spinning circles with a guy hanging a huge flag out the window. Yes, and a natty light or some crap like that out the other window. No, like, don't it, drink and drive. It has to be well, the passenger, of course. It has to be some sort of you know, like Merc and like big eagles flying out of the the sky and stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry. For you guys who don't know, I'm I'm passionately patriotic, so I'm not trying to be. <laughs> For those of you who don't <laughs> yeah. know, we're all a bunch of idiots. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, anyways, this is a cool concept. It will never be built, but. If it did, like, that would be the coolest thing. And, like, Hyundai, if it, like, runs and drives and stuff, like, give me and Mark a call. We'll we'll come out and say hi, and we'll yeah. make your America commercial. I've got a big American flag, and, and I, I know I've where to get small eagles. You know, there's one who's got a broken wing at my zoo. He can't fly anywhere, so we can hang out with him. We can do this. Sounds perfect. Right? Perfect. All right. Um, let's move to some more America. Uh, talk about trucks. America. Um, you did a piece recently on some changes that might be coming to the 2015 Frontier, right, Mark? Ah, dude, I'm so excited about this. Yes, um, Nissan yesterday on their Instagram page teased a picture of a truck under a sheet. So we don't really know what it is, but we know it's going to be the Frontier. I mean, it's it's way too small to be the new Titan because um, you can see it's got the front license plate bracket mounted on it. And just from the size compared to the license plate bracket, it's it's way too small to be a Titan. And we know what the Titan's going to look like anyway. So, um, yeah, New Frontier, the picture uh, was a crew cab with a short bed. 
Uh, it's got the cool little LED lights up front, which everybody is doing nowadays. But there it is. It's got the corporate grill kind of going on with the double, the big column things. Um, but, you know, they didn't really have much information with the article or with the picture itself. We just know that it's going to be debuted on June 11th of this year. So we're coming up like really short, like eight days away. It's going to be it's going to be out for the public to see. We don't know anything about what they're going to have under the hood. Um, currently, the An frontier. Engine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Gasoline. <laughs> they are going to have a quad turbo hamster powered rotary wheel that powers the front wheels all the time. <laughs> and you pour Red Bull in the cup holder and it feeds the hamsters and you go faster. No, I will I will not share my Red Bull. You buy an extra case, okay, my friend? No. <laughs> okay, so the current Frontier, the poor thing is just so old, it just needs to be taken out to pasture and retired. Um, and inside, it's really old. It's it's a nice it's a nice truck. It really is, but it's just it's aging. It's been around since 2004. It had a midlife refresh around 2011, but it's still just it needs some help. Yeah. Um, but that engine or that truck has two engines in it currently. It's got the 2.5 liter four cylinder, and then it's got the 4.0 V6. Um, hopefully, those engines are either gone or heavily heavily refreshed. Um, I read this in the article, huge speculation, and Chris, I, I really, I'm interested to hear your point on this one. I really hope that for the base engine, they throw that Juke Nismo Turbo 4 in it, like, stout it up a little bit for uh, for some truck duty, you know, heavier crank, heavier bearings, uh, four bolt mains with some side cross bolts, um, you know, all that sort of stuff, make it a little truckier, but... right. Heck yeah! I think I mean, that, that might be, really be cool. the, the only problem with throwing in stuff like like a heavy duty crank and things is you're going to cut down the horsepower and you're going to add internal friction with weight and things like that. Um, so I'm not sure if the horsepower will be enough. Um, but yeah, like the the four liter V6 in that truck is not a bad engine, and the truck itself still feels like a good truck. I had one not too long long ago. Like it it feels like a truck. It doesn't yeah. feel like it's car based. It doesn't feel like it's trying to be mamby pamby, trying to make everyone well, feel good. Well, it's on frame. Right. I mean, it just feels like a good old fashioned truck. But yeah. yeah, the interior is terrible, and that four cylinder engine is awful in that thing. Um, if if Nissan could get that 1.8 to like the 200 horsepower that's in the uh, uh, Duke Nismo, and then make it a little heavier duty for some truck duty. Like that would be a solid idea. I think that would be really the cool. Fuel economy would not be terrible, and you'd yeah. still have enough power to move some things around, um, especially compared to the 2.5. Yeah, but I mean, I want and, Nissan to put that engine in everything, though. Yeah, like, the well, Altima. I don't want an Altima 2.5 anymore. I want an Altima 1.6 turbo, and yeah. I want a Sentra 1.6 turbo. And that would be just... cool. Yeah. Well, as much as you want those, uh, the Frontier does have an engine that I really, really, really want, and that is the 2.8 liter inline four Cummins turbo diesel they pre uh, previewed back at the what was it the Chicago Auto Show a couple months that, ago. Oh God, I know. Oh. If they bring that out with a totally refreshed truck, Chevy's Chevy's gonna have a fight on their hands with the new Colorado Canyon trucks. Yes. They're gonna have a fight. 
Um, now, given those two trucks, the Colorado and Canyon, they are going to have their own little diesel coming out in 2016. Which is um, a really stout diesel, too. But yeah. It have, but it doesn't have a Cummins badge. Nope. That a lot of folks, a lot of Dodge people are going to be like, I'm going to trade my Ram 3500 on a Nissan Frontier because it gets no, they're not. <laughs> it's got a Cummins. Yeah, they are. Come on. And they're going to put stacks on it and make it look stupid. But no, I I think I think young kids that want a 3500 Cummins will jump on it. Yeah. And they're going to crap with the intake and make it bellow black exhaust so they can roll Roll coal. Roll coal. Roll coal, Nidale. America. Yeah, but but I really hope they make that engine just because it's going to be a solid power plant. I mean, think about this, right? If Ram can make their 1500 get 28 MPG with a V6, what can Nissan do with a four-cylinder in a mid-size truck? I'm I'm telling you, depending on how they have that thing tuned, um, like 35 miles to the gallon does not seem out of the question. I mean, like, how awesome would that be to get 35 out of a truck that you could still pull probably a seven or 8,000-pound trailer with? I That's know. all anyone needs. That's all anyone needs. And Lord help, please, if they put that in the Pathfinder <laughs> or the Xterra – what if they put it in the Xterra as like the top trim off-road package? I just see now. Now Jeep are not selling games. Like we're, we're, we're my mind, games. my mind is just rolling. Like I, I'm a big car guy, but I'm a bigger truck guy. So this makes me so happy. Oh, <laughs> it makes me so happy. What I'm almost excited for more than that is the new five-liter Cummins. Uh, yeah, from doing for the Titan. Yeah. Do you know that and, was originally going to be a Dodge engine? Yes, and Dodge turned it down. Yep, Dodge turned it down. It was uh, like Dodge even helped them like make it. Like this yes. is the project we're working on. No, never mind. We don't. We don't want that anymore. Yeah, I, I really, I, I don't get it. I don't get it because Dodge is coming out with the Eco Diesel, and then everyone else is now doing diesel in their smaller trucks. And I guarantee you, within five years, General, uh, General Motors will have that 4.5 liter Duramax V8 back on the market. Well, back into development and then back into back into uh, production. I really hope they do that. And and Dodge is going to be like, well, that sucks for us because we let that one go. Well, but here's the big problem with it, though, is that V8 Cummins wasn't going to be that much better than the Cummins they already have. Yeah, that's the thing, too. You know, and then with the amount of cost that was going to be going into finishing the project and it didn't save any real weight over their current engine. I mean, like... There are a lot of reasons it makes financial sense for a company, but um, I bet you Nissan doesn't care. They're like, woohoo! <laughs> yeah, I mean they don't care. And the thing is, is basically, you know, and this is going to start a huge, I, I get probably a paradigm shift really with the whole truck manufacturers because Cummins is making that engine for Nissan, but also it's going to go into the new Tundra, so yep. you can buy two different trucks with the same engine. Where do people's loyalty lie? Like, are they going to be like, well, I really like that Cummins engine, but I'd like to get a Chevy. Well, I can't get a Chevy because it doesn't come with a Cummins. Well, now they can be like, well, I really like this new Cummins 5-liter. I have my pick of a Titan or a Tundra. I mean, like, I think that's going to be really cool. Let's let's go ahead and be really honest about this. Um, unless Nissan does a super, super good job, and as I'm sure all of you are aware, I do dig Nissan um, – Everyone's going to pick Toyota because it has that stupid name badge. Toyota is Toyota, and you cannot fight that name. 
you know, honestly, I see more Titans than I do Tundras on the road, and they're like 20 years old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the new 2014 and newer Tundras, I see a lot of them, but I see a lot of Titans. I see almost no Titans ever, and I live in Nissan land. I mean, they're built here. Yeah, I live in Central Florida, way far away from Nissan and, and Franklin, but I see a lot of Titans. Oh, I don't. I don't see nearly as many as I'd like to. All right, let's move on. We'll stop talking about trucks if you people are bored with trucks. <sighs> but trucks, yeah, right. trucks. Um, let's talk about what you drive your truck on. Yeah, a potential huge shift in the way the world exists, more or less. Um, we're gonna talk about that solar road concept. And Mark, I'm gonna let you go first, and then I'll chime in a little bit because I think we both have have a lot to say about this one. Okay, long before we did a story on this, I watched that video on Facebook like everyone else has, and it's really garnering a whole lot of attention right now. Um, basically, the whole idea is that we're going to replace all of our paved roads with these hexagonal beehive-looking uh, solar panels that are interconnected that have LEDs, heating elements, um, pressure sensors, um, high-speed internet, like all of the, they're super high tech, and they're going to a generate electricity for basically America from solar panels on the inside the road. Uh, they can change um, road lines. They can warn you of oncoming obstacles or you know dangers. Uh, you can make them into sports complex um, paved areas like a tennis court. Oh. But now you can change the lines, and now it's a basketball court. Oh, now you can make it a soccer field. Like it's really cool. Um, and then, you know, interconnect them that way. They're all on high-speed internet, and some guy in a control room can basically make it all happen. So that's the general idea of it. Um, but Christian and I have, of course, unanswered questions and concerns about how this whole thing is going to um, basically jive with our love of cars and how we are going to be able to safely drive our cars down them and how they're going to work. Christian, what's your what's your thoughts on how this is going to affect life as we know it? Um, well, so first, I, I think the idea is brilliant because think about how much of the world, especially here in the United States, is covered with freaking asphalt or concrete pavement. Yeah. And solar panel, like solar energy is great. It, perfectly clean, there's nothing really bad that comes with it. The sun is bombarding us with energy all the time, we're just trying to capture that, to use it, instead of burning coal or using nuclear fission or anything to, to create power. Um, and, like, the whole problem with solar power was one panel doesn't give you that much electricity, so you need tons of panels, and then suddenly thinking, let's convert the millions and millions of square acres, probably billions of square acres of asphalt and concrete in the United States into solar panels. Um, like, if if they could get the money together to make this work, this could literally be the biggest world-altering thing to come around basically since electricity was invented, as far as I'm, I'm concerned. But I do worry about some things. Um, I'm not a physicist major, a physicist. I'm not a physics major. I'm not a physicist. Um, but I do have a fairly strong understanding of physics, and there are some things, like they say that they're going to have heating elements inside of these uh, panels to keep snow off the road. Um, and I know that the general law 
of physics is uh, energy cannot be created nor destroyed. So in theory, if the energy coming from the sun is not already enough to melt the snow, how is it going to create enough energy in the solar panel to create enough heat to melt the snow? Um, a lot of that could be part of the way that you're converting light energy into electrical energy and using a heating coil, or it could be based on how much energy these things can store to melt the snow in the nighttime when the sun's not shining, or some other things like that. But there are questions like that that I'm interested in learning and knowing about. But uh, and of course, everyone is going to be really worried and freaking out about. Well, what if some hacker does, you know, takes over it and turns all of the road lines the wrong direction so cars will crash into each other? Well, okay, there is that slight risk, but I'm sure these things are going to be beyond encrypted and monitored and everything like that. And we're still human beings. We're not freaking idiots. So um, if I happen to see that suddenly the lines in the road change randomly and point me directly at another car, I I'm not really going to crash into that other car because I can see I'm going to crash into him. <laughs> Unless your new Mercedes-Benz, who is following the road with its camera eyes, follows the lines anyway. Uh, yeah, well, but if you have a hold of the wheel, you can still change its direction. But uh, no, that is that is an interesting thing. Yeah, so that I think concern as and actually that's a, a pretty valid point uh, would be a bigger issue once we start getting more self-driving smart cars. Um, which is actually, I'm really surprised Google isn't trying to push this solar road thing a lot harder because if you can already have all these sensors and things embedded in in your road for everything else they want to do. It won't be very hard to add a special sensor that a self-driving car can read. Yeah. So instead of using all of these fancy cameras and technologies and thing, radars and stuff to see where you're going, the car can just read the road directly through a digital-to-digital -digital signal. Like the road knows I'm on this car, and so suddenly you're turning every street into like a slot car circuit. It makes perfect sense, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there yeah. is there's a lot of really interesting potential behind what this thing can be and what this thing can do. Yeah. Um, but I God, they're gonna meet so much resistance. Yeah, and some of the some of the questions I have too is, um, basically in the video you see a kind of a detailed view of how the glass surface looks. Yes, the surface is glass. Um, it's got these little ridges on it. It almost looks like you know how you, you walk up to a pedestrian crossing on a road and they've got these little ridge things for the, um, basically they're for blind people, that they feel that they're about to walk out into traffic. The sidewalk is ending. That's what it looks like, these little ridge things, you know, dotted across the, the surface. I'm wondering, A, number one, it's glass. How is our tires going to grip the surface? And it's got these ridges. Are, are is it going to be like this huge mud tire effect of like real bad road noise? You know, that um, that's so, my biggest concern. Uh, I I am slightly worried about road road noise. Um, I have looked into some of some of that actually, and yeah, the tiles are 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 all textured in a certain way. Um, while in their little cross view, it looks really bad. Um, I don't think it's actually that much more textured than normal asphalt. Okay. Um, but yeah, they have textured it specifically for grip, so oh, okay. that tires can hold on to it. The only thing that I wonder about is what that's more or less traction, forward momentum. Um, I don't know how well they've tested it against lateral grip, like you would get coming through a corner really hard. Um, so the tiles may be oriented and created so that, like. 
even on a steep in, incline, your tires will have enough traction. Excuse me, traction that you can pull yourself up this in, incline without your tires slipping. But are they going to be created in such a way that if I take this corner down here at the end of my road at 40 miles an hour, that I won't slide sideways off the road? Yeah, and glass gets really slick when it's wet. Yes, well, but they've gotten so far in glass tech, tech, technology and coatings and things now. Um, I'm not sure that's going to be that big of an issue anymore. I, I mean, not. again, they're talking about glass that uh, will hold several thousand pounds per little square. Yeah. So, I mean, we're we're only dealing with glass in the sense that I think it's made from sand, and that's about it. Um, it yeah. It's not really glass that we're used to and know anymore. Um, but yeah, like I'm just so interested in everything about this. But you can guarantee a lot of coal manufacturers and mining companies are going to do everything they can to lobby to stop this. Um, a lot of nuclear facilities and companies that own those are going to do everything they can to lobby and stop this. Um, I'm not a really big like conspiracy theorist or political guy or government guy or anything. Normally I really couldn't care less. I sit in my tiny house in the middle of nowhere and for the most part nobody bothers me and I don't bother any, any anybody else. But um, money does have a lot of sway in this country and a lot of things get done because of money. And I worry that big companies that stand to lose a lot of money once we have a clean, sustainable source of basically free electricity are going to do everything they can to stop people from getting that free electricity. Well, on the other hand, I really feel like there is a way to capitalize on this. And um, I guess unlike you, my friend, I am one of those highly political kind of guys that try to follow along pretty well with what's going on, and I understand kind of how things work. Um, I think there's there's a way for these power companies to basically, I guess, buy the rights to use these roads. So they are the ones laying these new tiles down, and they are the ones – you know, why not charge a power bill for this to, you know, like, here I am sitting at my house, my road in front of me is now paved with this, or laid with these um, glass tiles that generate electricity for my house. Um, you know, for me personally, I would have no problem still paying a power bill in order to help fund this road or whatever, because I would be paying a power bill to the coal plant anyway. Um Right. Well, no, yeah. like I'm I'm totally okay with that too and the roads do need to be paid for. But like yeah. I said what what I see is this is one company with money who's trying to make more money. Well, yeah, I mean you're 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 still going to have to have some sort of regulation with this. Um and basically power companies now are very monopolized. So like um here recently I had a power company that was bought out by another power company and this power company that that owns my power supply right now owns power supplies literally on the eastern seaboard. Like it literally is like four or five companies, the entire United States that control the entire power grid. So I mean, for these companies, maybe we could split up where they where they've got now and say you're responsible for the road section here. You know, you're responsible over here type thing. Maybe kind of break it up like that. Maybe that's a way to privatize it and to keep the um, you know, because private privatization of resources like this is a good thing. You don't want the government to be in control of this. Um, right. Like I so. said, all, like I said what, what I was really worried about, though, are, are more lobbyists. So think, again, there's some big coal company that yeah. is going to try and stop it because then they can't sell coal anymore. Yeah. Well, you're going to have lobbyists for everything. Right. So, so there's no that's way to all stop. I really worry there's about. There's no way to stop that. All right. Anyways, before we get too crazy and drive every, every, everyone away, um, oh, wait, if you can't do a burnout on the solar panels, they are useless. 
<laughs> or maybe it can capture the heat from friction so you can make energy while doing a burnout. Halty, I love you. Yes, oh. I want to do burnouts to make electricity. Yes. I mean, then I'm just burning rubber instead we of cars to make power. We are saving the but... world. <laughs> I think we'd be Sorry. doing the opposite. Sorry, officer. I was saving the world in my Chevy Corvette with the traction control off as I do a 80-foot burnout up this road. Oh, geez. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and move over to our questions and answers. i got to get this done because I have to leave soon. Um, all right, let's start with Fast Bob, from, a question from Fast Bob. Hey, I have a very classy question for you guys. What is the first car you have ever had sex in, considering you did do that? If not, you need to get that on your bucket list. Um, you know what? I just wanted to read the question because it was hilarious, but uh, I am not going to answer that. <laughs> I, I, I plead the fifth. I will not answer that question. All right, so there you go. The answer is no, we're not going to answer that fast, Bob. Uh, okay, Spaceballs27, do you guys give your cars nicknames or call them in a special way? And he yes. says he calls his Mazda Saki. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny, actually. Yep. Um, yeah, I have a Chevy Trailblazer, 2004. Um, her name is Tracy, Tracy the Trailblazer. Okay, yeah, um, we're kind of big in naming our cars. Um. So our Porsche does not have a name because we could never decide on a name really, so we just call it Porsche. Um, we tried to name the truck, and we never got a name for it before it went away. We're still working on a name for the bike. But um, my old Outback was named Oliver. Um, it was that weird sort of green color that uh, earlier Outbacks came in. And um, I wanted the car to last me forever, so uh, I also named it slightly besides the color after uh, in Top Gear when they did the – uh, Africa special, and Richard Hammond had the little Opal Cadet that he called Oliver, and it made the whole trip with almost no modifications or any sort of issues. Um, so I was trying to give my Subaru some luck by naming it after the Opal Cadet that made it all the way across Africa by calling it Oliver. Plus it was green, so that helped. But uh, a year later, my Subaru died, so it was terrible. Poor little orphan car. Yep. Uh, but uh, our VW is called Felix. So little that's red really... hatchback, we call our VW Felix. That's really random. Yeah, it, it it just works. Like you just look at like, hey, that's that's Felix. Okay, well, yeah. it's not as cool as Tracy the Trailblazer. Yeah, it's better than Tracy Trailblazer. <laughs> Anyways, let's go talk to Kirby ninety one. Kirby ninety one said, "Very nice episode," and this was our. We appreciate that. Yep, he says, "I have a question for you guys. Considering that a lot of car manufacturers are going for smaller displacement engines with turbos, what are the top three best sounding turbocharged cars available on the market today?" Um, we're only going to do two because Justin's not here. We'll make him answer these questions next week. Um, I'll pick one, and Mark can pick one. Um, for me, it is hands down the Fiat 500 of art. That car sounds like a massive party full of tire smoke that's being thrown through a blender. It's just – it barks, it barbles, it snaps, it pops. It sounds kind of like an old Group B rally car. It's just mean and hateful, and I love it. Yeah, that, that's good. I know that uh, – I remember when you did that review, you couldn't stop talking about how the car was mediocre, but the sound was great. It was awesome. Like, <laughs> that car is a terrible car, but God, I want one so bad. <laughs> you're either in first or second gear no matter where you go. <laughs> and you're going you're like, 197 feet an hour, but <laughs> you're it like, feels like you're going really quickly. 8,000 RPMs going – Yep, on your way to get some milk. That's right. Uh, well, you know, I, I don't know that I really have an honest, good opinion for this one, 
But, um, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of videos on the car. I think the Focus ST is really a decent-sounding exhaust for Forslund. So I, I, I guess it'll be my um, – I don't no, have an answer answer. A, that's, that's, that's actually but a those, simple choice. Those, those, are good, those are good engines. So. Yeah, the Focus ST and the Fiesta ST both have a really sort of same sort of thing, really gnarly, yeah. snapping, and, popping, sort of angry noise. It's really good. Yeah, you know, Ford has a really good knack for building good exhaust systems. I mean, the Mustang GT and the Mustang V6 either. I mean, both of those yeah. are really good cars, but the GT is amazing. So That's what I want Nissan to get better at. Like, the Juke Nismo sounded cool because you could hear the turbo spool up and hear the wastegate yeah. dumping the boost. But, like, all their exhaust noises are just so boring and droney and thrashy, and it's just like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah, so. it's no good. All right. Uh, we are almost at time. We have been doing this for 55 hours and 35 minutes. Uh, we want to thank everyone for joining us. Uh, we're going to go ahead and do our own drive burn, and then we're going to finish this episode up. Um, before we move to own drive burn, I want to say again thank you everyone for joining us on our first live episode. There will be another live podcast, and it should be on Thursday next week because I'll actually be back in town. We should have yep. Justin back with us. Everything should be back to normal. We hope to see you then. Um, if you're interested in the Gumball 3000 journey, uh, follow me on all of the social media stuff. I'll be posting things to the Top Speed Podcast Twitter. There's my Twitter, which is at Moford. That is M-O-E-F-E-R-D. I'll be doing the Instagram thing. Same thing, at Moford, M-O-E-F-E-R-D. Um, so if you want to keep up with any of that, that's where you can find it all. Um, also keep a tabs on this YouTube channel. I might try and do a live stream cast from the car while I'm driving. That's cool. So it's going to depend on noise and cell phone signals. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but all right, our own drive burn for this um, is a series of Mercedes, and this is also from Kirby91. This is from three episodes ago. We're still trying to catch up because you guys gave us lots of great own drive burn suggestions, so thank you for and that. And keep it up. Yep, keep it up. We need more questions. We need more ODBs, own drive burns. Uh, but this one is a set of uh, Mercedes cars. Uh, it is the old 300 SL, the new SLS, and then the SLR McLaren. Hmm. So... Uh, you want me to go first, Mark, or do you think you got this? No, I can take it. Um, really quick, I would burn the uh, SLR McLaren. I, it's a nice car. It's really cool. Um, but it, I don't know. It's just a little too outlandish for me. So uh, between the other two cars, you know, the 300 SL, you just cannot get past how amazing this car is. It just, it looks perfect. Um, and because it is such an antique and it has such history with it, I'm going to have to drive it just once. Um, I would hate to make that my daily driver because I would feel like I would ruin the car. Um, so that leaves me with the SLS for the everyday driver, which <laughs> it's a pretty darn good everyday driver. So That is a pretty darn good everyday driver. Yeah, so drive the SL3, uh, 300 SL once. The SLS is my everyday driver, and then the SLR uh, McLaren can, well, burn in fire. Bye-bye. So, yeah, that's my answer. How about you? Um, I actually think I'd burn the SLS. Really? Uh, I think between those three, it's the least interesting. Um, I think it's the least interesting to look at. Yeah. Um, I like the engine noise it makes, probably the best of the three. Um, it's got that god-gargling nails exhaust note yeah. from that uh, 6.2-liter V8. But, um, yeah, it's it's too mercedes -y. Um, I Isn't that would. A bad thing. Well, in this company, I think it sort of is. So, so again, like I talk about, I, I try and do that whole what makes things special. And aside from the doors, nothing on the SLS is really special. 
Does that make sense? Uh, it, it, yeah, I can I can kind of see what you're what you're aiming at. Yeah. It just looks like a car, unless you're really beating on it. It just drives like a car. It, it's just a car. It's a very good car. Yeah, I mean, I can see it's like it's not as magical or special. If it didn't have the gull wings, if it had just regular conventional doors, it would kind of be a boring car. You're right. Yeah, yeah, and like if you get the Roadster model, it has normal normal doors. Like then it's just a Mercedes with a big nose. You know. Um, the SLR McLaren at least looks a little crazy. Um, it's got the big metal strakes, and that was back when Mercedes was doing their really like pointy design style. So it looks like a super, super angry tuner version of like an SL uh, yeah. convertible. Like It's got the McLaren name behind it uh, because Mercedes and McLaren were working together in F1 stuff. Um, you know, so it's got some F1 history behind it. The engine in it's really cool. It makes a great noise. It looks just awesome. It's uh, rarer than the SLS is. You know, it's got a lot going for it. So I would I would drive that once because it's cool and it's interesting, and I think it's more cool and interesting than the SLS. But um, I would actually drive every day the old 300 SL Gullwing. Um, it'd probably be a terrible car to actually have to live with every day. Yeah. But um. When you see something that's like really rare drive down the road, it like makes your life better. You know, to see someone actually out enjoying this machine and sharing it with the world, letting other people see it and hear it and sort of have that experience um, is something I really cherish. And I'd like to sort of share that with people. So, um, Touché. Touché. you know, well, yeah, it's, it's like, um, what was it in the. There was a there was an event in in Europe somewhere a couple weeks ago that someone actually totaled their yeah um, their SLS yeah, so. or their, their yeah and it made me cry because I mean th those cars are pretty invaluable and and there's yeah. there's such an iconic design I mean it's irreplaceable literally so yeah um, but sure, maybe sure maybe he'll end up really lucky like uh, the guy that just uh, crashed his uh, McLaren F1 F1 yeah. Do you know that car is not totaled? Yeah. And it's almost impossible to total that car? I, I was reading an article that said that. It was basically like the car is worth more now than it was before he wrecked it, even though it's been wrecked, just because it is appreciated so much more. Like Yeah, they are they, appreciating at such a rapid rate that it's impossible to, to total them. Yeah. yeah. Like n nothing appreciates that fast, but apparently these cars are, which is odd because it's a car because cars – Generally, even nice cars don't appreciate very well very quickly. So right, not quickly, no. But so yeah, uh, that's that's what I would do. Um, I would I would drive the SL. Now I am going under the assumption that as this is the car I have to have for the rest of my my life, that I'll always make sure it's fixed, and that if I wreck it, it'll always be fixed, and so it'll always be a car in my life. Not well, I owned it and then it broke, and I couldn't afford to fix it, so now I don't have a car. <laughs> it went at three thousand dollars for an oil change. <laughs> Right. If it was, if if that was more the scenario, I'd probably take the SLS as my everyday driver. Yeah. But in it this situation, I'm gonna own the SL, burn yeah. the SLS, and uh, drive the SL. The SLR. I do. I do have to give you one thing on the SLR McLaren though. Those side exhausts. Ugh. How? And the wheels too. Cool like the that? wheels on it are really cool. Yeah, like the turbine-looking things. Yeah. So like it's okay. just it. It, it looks more like a supercar than than the SLS does. And I, 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 I like I'll that. give you that. I'll give you that. So, all, all right. right. Well, I think that wraps our show up today. Yep, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we want to say thank you so very very much for hanging out with us. Um, we love you. We appreciate you. Again, uh, sorry Justin's not not here. We'll have him here next week. 
Um, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me again. It's at Moford, M-O-E-F-E-R-D. Mr. Mark McNabb is at Mark McNabb. You can follow the podcast at Top Speed Podcast. Um, please send us all your questions, comments, concerns. If you like the live cast, let us know. If you think live is stupid, let us know. We want to make this Which better for you. Which is not, and you suck if you think that. <laughs> hey, and everyone's... follow me on Instagram. Do it yeah. now. Follow Mark, Mark, Mark McNabb on Instagram because I'm cool go. like that. Add Mark because that's what Instagram's for. He's I like pictures. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you guys so much. Um, again, if you want to want to reach us, you can hit the comments on the post. You can hit the comments yep. on the YouTube video. You can reach us on the Twitter. You can send us an email. Uh, if you have a long, really, really long, complicated question you want us to ask or whatever, send us an email. Even if we don't answer it on the on the show, we'll be happy to email you back an answer. So you'll yeah. always get an answer some, some, some way. The email address is simply podcast at topspeed.com. Um, but, uh, I'm going to play you a little bit of exit music, and then uh, we're going to end this cast, and uh, we will see you guys next week. So thank you so much for joining us.